Greetings. Harmony is often emphasized in esoteric circles as a goal of the seeker on the mystical path. By achieving harmony within, the mystic accomplishes a fusion with the divine essence and transcends the purely physical appetites, aspirations, and limitations of corporeal existence. In this podcast, we examine what harmony is, using references to familiar forms of harmony from music, the arts, and the sciences. We then examine the effect harmony has on its surroundings to discern whether harmony is the actual goal or, more precisely, a tool for effecting beneficial change. Finally, by drawing parallels between musical and mystical harmony, we explore some of the direct and indirect uses of mystical harmony in today's society. In music, Harmony can be defined as a blending of sounds to produce a pleasing effect. There are many classes and shades of harmony. A set of musical notes of different pitches, when played simultaneously, creates a chord. When pleasing to the trained ear, the chord is considered to be harmonious. When unpleasing, it creates conditions of clashing discord known as cacophony, or bad sound. While simple on the surface, the concept of a harmonious chord is complex. The same set of notes, sounded in different octaves, creates a suite of chords which plays differently on the listener. Chords sounded in a low octave may be viewed as powerful, one in a middle octave as relaxing, and one in a high octave as annoying. Closely spaced pitches in a chord referred to as block voicing and typified in the sounds of the barbershop quartet, Our song was a song of tomorrow Ours were as high as the sky elicit a different response than the widely spaced open chords of Copeland. The tonal makeup of a chord, called the key, within the same octave likewise promotes distinct responses. Based on the experience of musicians, composers, and conductors, some chords such as A-flat are strong, rich, and vibrant, while chords such as D are cold and brittle. The composer's choice of chord and key structure has a clear effect on the listener's response to the piece, and this response can be controlled by the judicious choice of chord and key. The combination of voices that creates a chord significantly alters its effect on the listener. Consider the differences between a chord played at the same volume and in the same octave by a string quartet choir of male voices, choir of female voices, a marching band, a symphony orchestra, an electronic synthesizer, and a brass ensemble. In each of these cases, the chord played is the same, even though the voices that have combined to create the chord are very different. 
the harmony created by each chord in this example has a decidedly different effect on the listener because of the choice of components that were used to assemble it. Chords can elicit specific emotions and responses depending on their tonal makeup. For example, a major chord can be described as open, optimistic, and pleasing. Whereas a small change in one note's pitch changes the major chord into a minor chord. With a corresponding change in emotions to those such as melancholy and thoughtfulness. There are many varieties of chords even within the same basic key, such as D, with major and minor chords being just two examples. Some chords in D, for example, can become extremely elaborate, such as diminished sevenths and augmented ninths, with many more than three or five notes comprising the chord. Yet, all these chords are considered harmonious, with a degree of harmony varying from obvious, such as A-flat major, to subtle, such as G7 suspended fourth. These examples all illustrate that there is a multiplicity of ways of generating a pleasing musical harmony. The musician strives to create the most perfect representation of harmony within a particular musical idiom. The master composer or master performer experiences a loss of individuality, a timelessness, a merging and sense of oneness with the music when this pinnacle of harmony and ensemble is achieved. This has indeed been the goal of serious musicians throughout the ages, with numerous masters from Bach to Bernstein, as well as of contemporary students of music. In the art world, harmony is achieved by a pleasing combination of color, light, and composition, that is, the spatial arrangement of the artist's subjects. Here, harmony is a balance and a message, with different types of harmony depending, as in music, on the desires and capabilities of the artist. In painting, many different styles are considered masterfully harmonious, including the realism of Rembrandt, the surrealism of Dali, the impressionistic style of Monet, the luminist style of Kincaid, and even the abstract cubism of Picasso. In art, as in music, the effect on the viewer depends as much on the training, sensibilities, and even the expectations of the audience as it does on the harmonious quality of the work being presented. Thus, one can expect very different reactions to the same work of art, from revulsion through disinterest to curiosity, and all the way to rapture. And all of these can be considered valid reactions. The artist may, in fact, have little or no control on the reaction of the viewers, despite having created what some would characterize as a masterpiece of harmony.
In science, harmony is consistently sought and frequently created by the collection, interpretation, and integration of cold, hard facts and empirical observations. Confusion and discord during early and diligent study of a scientific problem are eventually swept away by an overarching logical and systematic conceptual framework that unifies the data and creates a pleasing context. Frequently, the larger the problem, the simpler is the solution. These clear solutions, referred to somewhat reverently by the scientist as elegant, arise not simply from disciplined analytical reasoning and hard work, but with the aid of creative intuition and insight that are the lifeblood of first-rate scientists and scholars. Here again, discovery and discernment of the elegant harmony of basic or fundamental rules that govern complexly physical phenomena are the goal of the scientist. Even when this neo-mystical quest goes unappreciated, by the public at large. We can see that the creation of harmony is central to endeavors as seemingly diverse as music, art, and science. Practitioners in these fields train themselves over years, and often decades, to perceive and produce elegant harmonies. In parallel with the vigorous pursuit of harmony in these and other fields, however, those persons outside these fields who may lack the training, disposition, resources, or contextual basis for participating in the work may not fully appreciate or apprehend the harmony being created and directed toward them. They may, therefore, be affected by this harmony either directly or indirectly. It has been said often that something cannot exist without its opposite. We can identify what harmony is because we can also discern what is disharmonious. Thus, harmony requires the existence of cacophony to function. In our inner struggle to sense and unite with the divine, we labor to overcome the jumbled, undisciplined cacophony of thoughts, sounds, images, and other distractions in our minds, willing the mind to be silent. Religions work by identifying a set of principles or behaviors that need to be changed, and then by instituting a framework of laws, texts, rituals, and symbols that would foster the change from disharmony to harmony. Governments similarly can be said to impose smoothness or regularity onto their respective societies. In each of these examples, distinct types of chords may create the harmony involved, some subtle, some vibrant, some harmonious, and some unpleasant. The issue here is to identify the chord structure that is most effective and most beneficial in promoting what mystics would consider to be fundamental harmony within our society. Harmony is not static. It is instead a dynamic phenomenon. As emphasized by Ralph Lewis and others, a complete state of balance, equilibrium, and hence harmony cannot exist in nature. All of the universe is in motion.
from the tiniest subatomic string, through the processes of living beings, through the evolution of galaxies. The universe is thus in a state of constant change. If we accept a definition of harmony as the condition of total consistency and compatibility, then in this sense the universe as a whole, and the myriad systems of which it is composed, is in a state of harmony. Yet, looking closer, harmony requires disharmony to be perceived. Put another way, harmony becomes recognized and important when viewed as part of its larger context, that is, the environment on which it acts. Harmony is an expression of the law of the triangle, in which harmony acts on its surroundings to promote change. As Rosicrucians, we train ourselves to become receptive to the divine voice within. Through the acceptance of, and eventually the fusion with, this inner voice of conscience, the Rosicrucian mystical student gains mastery over the pressures of the physical world, including ourselves. Through knowing ourselves, we achieve inner balance and harmony and express this sensitivity outwardly in service to others with no thought of reward. By combining with other Rosicrucians, this inner harmony is reinforced in a manner analogous to constructive interference of light or sound waves, creating an aura, chord, that is transmitted outward by the group as a whole. While harmony within oneself and within our order is clearly a goal of the Rosicrucian mystical student, our collective chord rings out within the amphitheater of our culture and civilization. The question arises then as to what type of response we want to elicit, and how might we facilitate this desired response. As stated by many, including Paul Case in his treatise on Rosicrucian principles, and by Stephen Holler in his analysis of Carl Jung's interpretation of Gnostic concepts, the context of mystical transcendence, or illumination, should be of equal importance with the experience of illumination itself. The context of illumination, as implemented in the teachings of the Rosicrucian order Amorc, provides a uniform framework that assures the responsible and beneficial application of the illumination received by the mystical student. In other words, chord emitted by Rosicrucian mystics as a group is beneficial, constructive, and harmonious. However, its physical effect on the society in which we are embedded depends to a large extent on the receptivity of the population. Here, the importance of context becomes key. If a person in the public at large is mystically inclined by nature, or if they are not so inclined, but the environment in which they live and function is tolerant and supportive of mystical impulses, then the Rosicrucian chord will have a direct and positive effect on this person. If, however, the person is not mystically inclined, and or if the environment and culture are hostile to mystical impulses, then the chord may be rendered much less effective. 
the thought naturally arises as to how we can be effective with this latter group. The concepts of pitch and key suggest one possible strategy. Just as some chords are perceived to be ethereal, subtle, and appreciated principally by a trained minority, other, more powerful chords are effective with a larger segment of the population. For this latter group of individuals in our society, the effective chord must drown out, or at least be perceptible within, the omnipresent loudspeakers of consumption to excess of all things, such as food, television, consumer products, sports, entertainment, gossip, hobbies, and work. A fundamental mystical principle states that moderation in all things leads to internal balance and, potentially, to the conditions that favor inner spiritual communication. As humans, our brains enjoy novelty and excitement. But without an internal or external check on our behavior, we can easily become addicted to the drug of excess. Because contemporary American culture promotes, rather than hinders, excess of all kinds, the limiting agent must consequently come from within ourselves. It is here that our Rosicrucian chord composed instead of different voices, pitched in more direct keys, crafted using simpler, less subtle chord structure, and involving a lower and more universally appreciated fundamental frequency, may be an effective agent in facilitating the external conditions and context needed to support the detection, development, and eventual reliance on the internal compass that points to physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual balance. How then can we use harmony as a strategy for beneficial change in human society? A dual or nested approach may be surmised from the content and flow of this podcast. As Rosicrucians, the harmonious chord we generate that is subtle, high in frequency, and of most significant impact on a subset of persons in our society for the reasons already stated, may be leveraged or increased in effectiveness when paired with chords of different, more resonant character. This creates a dual or complementary harmony. By specifying the result we wish to achieve in our surroundings, we can compose the appropriate music. The ultimate measure of our composition and its performance rests with the appreciation and lasting impact made on the audience. As Rosicrucian mystics, we have the opportunity and obligation to take the first steps toward this masterful performance series by transforming ourselves into the finest chord that we can imagine.